Hey, Sweat Sisters, welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show, which highlights women who are balancing demanding careers with a healthy lifestyle and hurtling over personal and professional obstacles. I'm your host, Aisha DeVore Branch, and each week I have a sister-to-sister chat with an inspiring go-getter, and listeners learn how good things come to those who sweat. If this is your first time listening, what up? You could be anywhere in the world and you're here with me and I really appreciate that. If you love what you hear, take a second to subscribe to the podcast so you get updates every time we drop a new episode. If you got half a second, leave a rating, which will help other sweat sisters in need of some inspiration find our podcast. If you have a minute, please follow us across all social media platforms. We are at Pretty Girl Sweat on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and YouTube. Use the hashtag Pretty Girl Sweat when sharing this episode. And if you have five minutes, please leave a review and let us know how we're doing. On episode 32 of the Pretty Girl Sweat Show, I'm chatting with Brianna Owens, the health and wellness advocate, entrepreneur, and empowerment coach who has partnered with premier brands such as Nike, Beats by Dre, and Body Armor, is committed to developing a wellness framework and infrastructure that caters to improving the health of those living in underserved communities for generations to come. Since the launch of her boutique cycling company, Spike Spin, in 2016, Brianna has cultivated a community of over 4,000 riders in New York City, from pop-up experiences in cities across the country to classes at her flagship studio in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, Spike Spin is providing healthy living tools and resources for people to thrive. Tune in to learn how Brianna is on a mission to change the state of health and wellness for the majority, diversifying the wellness space not only in terms of race, culture, body types, but socioeconomic backgrounds as well. Brianna Owens, welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to speaking with you more in depth since we got to meet in person uh, last year. Um, there's so much more I want to know about you. So this gives me a great opportunity to find out <laughs> all the things that I've had on my mind. All right. So absolutely. Well, I always start every interview with the beginning stages of your life. So if you could tell me what it was like growing up as little Brianna. Um. Actually, I loved my childhood. It probably is why I can be a happy adult um, because I really did have, I grew up in a very loving environment and I had a lot of fun and it was a very close-knit family and we're still like that today. Um, But in relation to fitness, I was introduced to it very early because my mom was actually a dancer and she made me very aware of the importance of health and wellness from then. She would always emphasize, um, like from young, she would kind of introduce things to me about the different diseases and ailments that our family is prone to and that many of them deal with. And she would just kind of like casually mention it. So it wasn't kind of like this militant, oh my gosh, don't get this. But I think her always giving me a level of awareness and rationale behind some of the decisions she made, like in our particular family group, like her and me and my brothers. Um, She always made it very clear as to why. So it's like, 
we're eating this because I'm putting it, it used definitely was annoying because I was the kid who like had water added to my juice. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I hated it. And even my dad is like one of those kind of people. He would be like, is she drinking apple juice without water? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, I just want to drink, you know, like as a kid, I was like, please just like, it's just apple juice. You remember the first time tasting real apple juice without water in it and yeah. being like, ooh, this is I different. Was like, I was like 10. Like, I was old. Yeah, my parents were very into that. Um, and, like, I had bad stuff, I'm sure, especially out of their care. Mm-hmm. But when they were in the room, it was definitely, like, she does not eat this. She does not drink this. Um, and even though I would go to my cousin's house and, you know, get whatever I wanted or do something like that. I think I always was introduced to the understanding of like this balance and why I needed to pay attention to certain things. So that is definitely where I, I point back to in terms of, you know, like the, the earliest phases of caring about wellness. Um, and even beyond that, I was always an athlete. I was always doing some kind of activity. It's just like been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Do you feel like you always fit in with your peers um, as a kid, especially since you were the the, the half water, half apple juice kid? <laughs> actually, I do. It's like, it's weird because I don't, I was actually talking to one of my friends yesterday because it's just a lot of transitions happening in my life. And a lot of times, you know, you're going through them on Instagram and you're sharing so many parts of yourself with everyone else, which is definitely not my innate, that's not my nature. I'm a much more kind of, I I, I would say private, but it's really not that I'm private. It's just that I'm used to having just, like I said, that close knit group and the pressure of needing to share so many things, but keep some things to yourself. It's always kind of like, I want to share these things, but it definitely is hard for me. And I was having that conversation with her yesterday. And she's like, Brie, like, don't get in your own way. And just the energy that you always had has been attracting. So I've, I've always attracted, like, really good people. And I feel like that even as a child, I've always had, like, great friendships. And I never felt like an outsider. And, I, and if anything, I've always been the girl who, if I noticed someone was on the outside, I wanted to, like, bring them in. Like, I've never been a fan of oh, I'm cool because of this, or she's this way. It's like, no. Um, I feel like people who had to do that actually weren't as cool as they thought they were. So I've always kind of beat to my own drum, but it never has alienated me from, you know, being able to do both. Were you a pretty good student in elementary school all the way through high school? Yes. (laughs) I've always been. I think, so my mom, my parents had me young. My mom was 20 and my dad was 19. And um, now I look at it as the biggest blessing because, I don't know, they were just so on it for their age. And I'm sure that it wasn't easy because there were so many people who definitely thought that I was going to be on the path of, you know, just being like another statistic born to young parents in urban New York City, the inner city of Queens. And my parents always went above and beyond to make sure I had access, exposure, awareness. They always were very open with me too. And that was what I really appreciated. I didn't live this kind of like, I don't know. It was like a very nice balance of 
friendship and parenting. So they definitely were able to get my respect very young and me wanting to always make sure they were proud of me is what drove me. It wasn't like a, they're going to beat me or like I never got in trouble in those kind of ways, yeah. you know, but it was like if my mom or dad ever said they were disappointed, it's like, you know what? I'll punish myself. Don't even worry about it. Like I got this. I don't deserve to go outside. Like I was one of those kids. And so I think, um, you know, really wanting to have their respect because I feel like they always respected me from young. There was always this mutual, like I was able to express my opinions I had my own thoughts and somewhere inside of me, them giving me that freedom made me want to treat them well. And like, okay, we have like a thing going here. If you trust me, I trust you. You, you know, like it was a mutual relationship as, as young as I can remember, which is like weird that I'm saying it at 30, but at six, I was very empowered to be myself. My mom and dad both kind of, even now they're like, you have always been this person. You've always, they just learned how to like hone the person that I was, but they never wanted to take things out of me, which is cool. It is cool. Kids are little adults, you know, it's like, you you have to kind of let them be. I mean, you have to guide them, but at the same time, you know, they have to make mistakes and learn from them and Yes. A little and I think it was such a mature thing for them to be doing even at that age. Uh-huh. Um, but my mom, so before me, my mom had a child with my father when they were the year, literally the year before. So 19 and 18 okay. and he died at 11 days. Oh, wow. And my mom always says like, that was an awakening for her where she immediately realized that we don't belong to her. Mm. And I think when she had me, she was very much in that place of like realizing that all of her children were really gifts and that she is supposed to give us, she always tells us to us. And when I was young, I didn't fully understand it. And I used to be like, we don't belong. I don't belong to you. Like what? You know, like I belong to you. You're my mom. Um, But now having had these conversations with her that I'm married and, you know, thinking about having children and we have these talks and she's like, no, you guys don't belong to me. It's my responsibility to give you everything that I can um, as I would a God's child, because that's who you are. Yeah. And I think that is, that allowed her to raise me the way that she did and the, to raise my brothers the way that she does, because she just looks at us through a different lens and it, it really makes our relationship very special now that I understand what she means, because I think it's just a different level of care, but also she's not hounding and like not trying to create, uh, fix her mistakes through us or kind of like, you know, like she doesn't use us as tools. Mm -hmm. She really allows us to grow into people and, I can see all of these things now at 30. Definitely growing up, I couldn't see all of them. There were definitely days where I'm like, mom, like, you know, but now I am very grateful for all of the decisions and conversations and just like her approach to it. That's powerful because I say this to, to myself as a parent and to other parents that you may be instilling things in your child at a young age. They may not be grasping it. They may not be paying mm-hmm. full attention, but they're paying some attention to it. And at some point in their life, it's going to all make sense. So yes, that and you're proving that too today. <laughs> that is very true. Like you just kind of got to do it yeah. because we're, we are children or, you know, in those moments we're children, we don't, we don't have a view of the world. We have, our view is so limited to the family and the school, you know, like 
and you don't have the exposure that a parent has. And so the way that I love how she's able to balance the two and not make me kind of like grow up too fast, but also make me very aware of just like, even how I mentioned, you know, my body and nutrition and just like, these are the things that exist, Brie. And like, sometimes you can get very sick. And, you know, she broke it down in a way that was obviously understandable for a child's mind, but it was still not something that she was shy about sharing. And she didn't do things without me understanding why. And I think that's been such a benefit now as I'm growing my business and helping people to also understand things that may not have been broken down to them before in that way. Did you play any sports in high school? I ran track all through high school. I probably should have run in college so that I wouldn't have debt, but I was so over it. Like senior year, I told my mom, I'm like, by the way, I know that you've been investing and getting me private coaches and like doing all of these things so that I can run in college, but I'm not. She was like, what? But I was just tired. Like I did not. It was just a full-time job. Like, especially the way that I was training, I was training every season Mm -hmm. and I was just over it. I mean, like literally I, if I'd never had to run again, I would have been fine. Even though now I run so much. (laughs) Um, So it comes full circle. But in those moments, especially going to college, I was just like, I want to have fun. I want to meet friends. I don't want to just be like on the field all day, which is kind of how some days were in high school. And so, yes, I ran track all through high school every season. And I was also a dancer. Uh Well, did you have a favorite (laughs) coach that helped you on and off the track? Hmm. So I had two, actually. Um, So I went to high school in two different states. I went to high school in Maryland and then in Georgia. And when I was in Maryland, I went to Arundel High School and Coach Queen was the coach. And he was an OG track coach. He had been there for probably, I don't know, 30 years. And he was one of the first people, like, as a freshman, I made varsity. And um, he just put me in leadership spaces very early my entire life, I was that girl that was like called bossy and I had a very strong opinion and I didn't really, I went through a phase where I probably like kind of um, dimmed my light or like kind of downplayed some of my ideas or thoughts because I hated being called bossy and I hated like what that, what people thought when you hear like, she's so bossy, you know, like it felt so negative to me. And Coach Queen is one of the people who, in high school, when I was probably, and again, this is all, it comes across so much clearly now because I've lived it already. So I definitely didn't have this clarity as a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old. But in retrospect, I can see so many things. And he was one of the people who just kind of encouraged me to own those traits about myself. And he's like, you love to be the best. You work hard to be the best. And there's something to that, that you shouldn't let your, you know, other people call you bossy. Don't let that make you feel away. Just kind of like do your thing. And it wasn't like, oh, you're so bossy. We're not your friend. It was just like, they would say it casually. And I just hated it. It was like an internal, like, oh my God, I'm so bossy. The people, you know, like just probably high school girl, like, oh my God, are they not going to want to be my friend? They're not going to not. And I would, I would deal with that. And coach Green would be like, girl, you're a leader. That's what you are. That's the word they're looking for. Like they want you to, they want to learn from you. They want to um, practice with you and train how you train. And so he's a coach that I would just say 
actually, I'm not even going to give that credit to anyone else. I would just give it to Coach Queen. He really saw something in me to that I was good, and he made, he wanted to make me great because he saw that I had the willpower and the, the yearning to do that. Wow. See, you were hashtag girl boss before <laughs> it was a thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, yes. I, literally, I'm telling you, my parents always say they're like, you were born like this. They're like, we're not surprised by anything you do because at three years old, you were like this. So it's so funny when to hear people say that, like, what is a three year old like being bossy? But apparently I was. <laughs> well, when did you make the decision to go to Hampton? Um, senior year or junior year of high school, I was like applying to all of my schools. I applied to a few big schools, um, Florida State, UGA, um, University of Florida, and I was in Georgia. So that's kind of why I was like in that Southern space. And then I learned about historically black colleges and universities. And then I was like, hmm, because I was definitely in predominantly white schools from about sixth, seventh grade through senior year. And so I was like, maybe this will be an opportunity to have fun. And like, I just, you know, I was watching drumline probably, (laughs) I don't know, like just seeing all those kinds of views of what college would be like. And I applied to Spelman and I applied to Hampton. And I knew though, I've always known that I wanted like a college experience. I didn't want to go to a city because I was originally from New York. So I knew what that was like. Um, I wanted something that felt like a campus and Southern and all those like, I don't know, stereotypical ways that kids look at college on TV. And when I went to visit Hampton, I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like the campus is just so beautiful. It's literally one of the most beautiful campuses that I've visited even now after going to visit so many of my friends. And that was kind of the deciding factor. And then Spelman also has a beautiful campus, but it's in Georgia, which is where my family was. And my mom really wanted me to get away um, and experience some independence and just kind of like this was a time where I could do it in a sheltered environment. And so Hampton was it. And it was one of the best. I hated so many times when I was there. I wanted to leave. I did leave. Um, But I came back because it was just amazing. (laughs) Well, what was your major? I was an English major. Ah, so when you were a freshman on campus, what did you hope to get out of college? Like, what did you want to graduate and then do? When I was a freshman, I wanted to graduate and go to law school. Okay. And I wanted to work as um, in advertising, doing contracts for brands. Okay. Um, and I don't know why, where I got that idea from, but it was like, I definitely, I really wanted to do that for some reason. I was just attracted to like branding and big companies and law. The law side is probably because people always told me like, you should be a lawyer because you love to (laughs) argue and express yourself. Like that probably came somewhere through that. But also I used to watch Matlock a lot. Um, which is like, <laughs> I haven't seen that show. Which is, I know, I'm like, your Gen Z audience right. is probably going to be like, what? And, but I definitely used to watch it after school. Um, and that probably all kind of just played into like who this woman I thought I would be. Like, every time people ask me as a child, how did you envision yourself as an adult? And I remember I envisioned myself 
with a French roll. I was always wearing this suit. Remember French rolls? Yes. <laughs> okay. Of course, girl. I, I, like, oh. <laughs> I remember them having the two French rolls? <laughs> like the double? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Because like, again, I was young when, when women were wearing those hairstyles, but for some reason I associated that with like a professional yes. herself. I don't know why, but like that was a professional woman to me and wearing a suit and carrying a briefcase. Like that's always how I, when I was a child, that's how I envisioned 30 year old Brie because 30 to me as a child was like a senior citizen. Um, and that was like a grown woman. And now that I'm 30, I'm like, when do I become a grown woman? Because I'm still like not that girl. Um, but yeah, so that was what I wanted to do going into Hampton. I wanted to be an attorney I wanted to do contracts for major corporations and advertising. So then what was your very first job then? Out of college? Yes. Okay. So while I was interning, I strategically got all of my internships in advertising. Okay. And I was introduced to planning and strategy through my internships. And I took a class junior year of college, one of my law classes, and the professor basically was like, if you're going to college, he's like, right now, the law profession is so saturated and these kids don't know what to do. So they're just going to law school. And like, he just said every negative thing about law. (laughs) And I left that class feeling like, oh my God, I don't think I want to go to law school right now. And mind you, I'm an English major. So I called my mother junior year and I'm like, hey, I don't think I'm going to law school. And she's like, what? What are you going to do? You're an English major. How are you going to make money? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you have to take care of yourself. You're not, I'm not taking care of a grown person. And I'm like, mom, I will be fine. And she's like, I know you will be. I don't have any doubts of that. But I just think now that you're not going to law school, you better be thinking about your junior. You need to think about like, what, what are your, you know, what are your plans? And I'm like, all right. So I have these internships in, in advertising, which is still kind of in the lane. And so I made sure that I was continuing to follow up with a bunch of brands. I also was one of those crazy people that felt like I needed to graduate college with a job, which is just not the case. Um, And I've learned that now we're like, in retrospect, I wish I would have taken some time to just probably like relax. But I didn't. I worked. Um, And I interviewed and I got a job at this big media agency in New York called Mediacom. And that was my first job. I was an assistant digital planner, and I've stayed in that industry until I resigned from corporate America two weeks ago. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. So what was the biggest risk you've ever taken for your career? We all kind of know. Quitting my job. (laughs) (laughs) Quitting my job was literally the riskiest, scariest, boldest thing that I have ever done to pursue entrepreneurship full time and take spike spin all of the places it deserves to go for all the people that deserve it. And it's been the most amazing two weeks of my life. (laughs) Why spin like in particular, why did you choose spin? So spin is just to me, our entry into the wellness space, Mm -hmm. into the health and fitness landscape. But it was the first one for me because it's one that I feel I can help people become attracted to because it's rhythmic, which is something that, so my target audience, um, is people of color and it's everyone like 
to be clear, it's, it's very inclusive, but I do it through the lens of people of color because they have lacked the access for the longest. And there are so many people who are catering to every other demographic so freely and confidently, and they don't make any um, justifications for that. And I felt like people of color deserve that same experience. And so I unabashedly let people know that like, yes, this is an inclusive brand for everyone, but it's through the lens of how do I help serve these communities that for so long have not been served. Um, and so for me, cycling is a way that it still has the very rhythmic aspect, which is innate to our, to our culture. Um, but it's also a very fun workout, but very intense. Mm. And so all of those things for me make it the best. It's also one of the best on your joints. So it just is kind of like a perfect storm of if I have to introduce these people to, to a type of workout that they don't want to work out in the first place. How can I make it fun? How can I make it interesting? How can I make it cool? And how can I make it something that's actually going to have an impact versus just kind of like, you know, some of the other things that could be done. So that's why cycling was the entry into the space. I have such a love-hate relationship with cycling. Like, <laughs> it's so much fun when I'm in it. Like, it's everything. And the next day I'm like, well, what did I do yesterday? My well, yeah, is killing me. <laughs> Yes. And I always tell people, like, if it's not something you consistently do, every time you do it, it's going to be like the first time. Yeah. So that is where it gets, because they'll be like, oh my God, my body hurts, my butt hurts. And like, I'm like, yeah, that's normal. <laughs> but also, uh, we try to structure our classes in a way that we are mindful of that. Like, black women have these curvy bodies, mm-hmm. black men have different body types. So we want to make sure that even the way we structure our rides, we're not just like in the saddle for so long. And we're doing different things that keep it creative and interesting, but also mindful of how it could potentially impact the body. Oh, good, 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 good. Is there like mm-hmm. a specific like mentor that moved the needle for you during this process? Yeah, so I was riding at different boutique studios here in New York City, and then I started to go to a gym. And there's this woman, I won't say her name, but she really, I would take her class every day. And she and I formed a bond. She's who was the first person. She's a white woman, by the way. Um, And she's the first woman who encouraged me. Like, she's like, I love your style of writing. Like, you kill it in my classes. Have you ever thought about teaching? And I was like, "Uh, I have. But, you know, I have this career and I'm doing all these things and I have a boyfriend. And like, you know, I just all the reasons I just talked myself out of it. And she was like, well, if you ever think about it let's let's talk and I would like to just you know help you on the journey and she's the woman who I got certified and I taught for two years before I started like spin that's another thing like I think people need to understand that there's a necessity to learn your craft before you just try to like teach other people and call yourself an expert Mm -hmm. um and I was very critical of that so even before I was teaching I was riding on my own for a good like three years as a psycho um just kind of like being obsessed with cycling and spinning. And then I met this woman Then I started teaching for two years and then I opened spikes. And the beauty of having someone like her is when you first get certified, when you're looking to get hired by gyms or studios or whatever, most people won't hire you without experience. So it's like the chicken and the egg. It's like, how am I supposed to get experience if no one wants to hire me? Um, And I like was going through a lot of that and 
I just went to her and I was like, I got certified. She's like, oh my gosh. And I have never auditioned. She literally recommended me for every job that I had with no audition. She just was like sending emails to people like, this is the girl for the job. And every studio that I've worked in was because of her email and recommendation and stamp of like, yes. And so the teaching that I was doing before opening Spikes was literally based off of recommendation, which is like, you never know who you're talking to. You never know who this woman is in a gym that's just teaching classes. And sometimes I feel like even that with my instructors, like people don't understand. These are real people who have full personalities, full careers, full dreams, full hopes. Um, Don't like judge them or minimize them into like a fitness instructor. And some of them are just fitness instructors, quote unquote, I'm using quotes as just, but they are empowering and changing people's lives. And so I see that a lot now that I'm on the other side and I'm running the business of how even clients can sometimes try to reduce um, what's being done or the role or the career path. And I'm like, you don't know who these people are, what they're doing. And I just think I had to make that point while I was talking about her because she was someone who really changed my life and (laughs) is the reason that I've quit my job and I'm building this business and I have to give her so much credit. What would you say has been your proudest moment so far? Um, In business or in my life? Oh, give me one for me. (laughs) (laughs) In my life, my proudest moment is definitely getting married to my best friend, my husband. I am so excited to be married to him. And like, I just feel like us being together is really going to impact generations of our families but also just like the world like he is literally my best friend and I just feel so proud of our union really I do that 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 day was when I first was like okay this and you might could tell this just from like you asking questions about who am I who was I as a kid but like I've always expected to do good I've always expected to succeed and excel I've never been like shocked by achievement because that's just how I am. It's like, I'm driven in that way that I feel like I'm supposed to achieve. I'm supposed to work hard. And so when I do like things that other people feel are great, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because it's very hard for me to feel proud of myself. Like I'm excited and it's like, it's good. And I know that it's something good, but it's proud is not the word that I necessarily always use for myself. And so when I got married to Zach, I was like, oh, my God, this is something. I'm like, this must be what people will say when they feel proud. So for that moment, I felt very proud of myself. Um, And then with Spike in business, I think leaving my job was another moment where I just felt proud because it was a moment that was so against the grain of Brianna and being prepared and like planning and seeing, you know, what the next steps could look like it was proud because it was like full faith it was like you know you're trusting god with this with the safety parachute in most other ways but this was literally just like trusting god period (laughs) like this has to work because of god this is not me when i left my job i knew that i was like i'm not taking bets on myself i'm really just go stepping out truly in faith that all the prayers and all the conversations that i've had with god are going to come to fruition and all the things that he's put in my spirit are happening. And so those were two of the proudest moments just because I think they were full faith and no Brianna, just 
fully not dependent on me. Um, and those are the moments that I just feel like are so beautiful and like make my life fulfilled, feel good. You've opened up your own fitness studio. You have <laughs> had press on national outlets like Good Morning America. What advice could you give to a female business owner that's out there, that's looking at you, that's inspired by you, and that's wondering, like, how is she doing all of this? Oh, my God. I just said God. <laughs> um, I have to give full credit to God because some of these things, even, like, I had to sit back and I'm like, yo, wow. Like, who, what? Like, this is crazy. Um, but I would say become an expert in your field. Like, do the work. And the other thing is I need people to understand that this didn't happen overnight. It's been years of me doing work and doing and, and years of me doing work and years of me consistently still doing work. So between the press or all the things, it's like I'm in the studio washing bikes. I'm, you know, I'm literally not too good for anything. And I make sure that I keep the bigger mission in front of me. So I would give you the advice of like, know your, understand your why. Um, so if you say you have this passion or this purpose, understand if it's meant to be your business or if it's meant to just be a passion. That's the very first thing. Once you sort out, okay, I want to follow this as a business. Um, understand why, what are you hoping you achieve from it and understand what your measure of achievement will be. Like, are you doing it because you want press or are you doing it because you want to impact lives? Are you doing it because you want to help your community? Are you doing it because you want to make money? Are you doing it because like all of those things are valid reasons to do something, but you just have to sit in that and make the choice of why, because that's going to guide you of how to maneuver. Um, so those are to me, the key things It's just like understanding your why becoming an expert and working the hardest. Yeah. Well, if they're really interested in getting more exposure, are you suggesting that um, they just do the work and hope somebody finds them or they need to pitch themselves and they need to get a publicist? What are your... So this is weird because I don't have a publicist and I've never pitched myself. So when I when people ask me that question, it's like, I don't want to say don't pitch yourself because you might need to pitch yourself, right? Like other businesses, they are pitching and they have a publicist. So I know my background is like I said, advertising for the past nine years. So I know that in business, you you typically need to pitch yourself and that's how people gain coverage. That hasn't been my story. So it's hard for me to tell, to give advice. I would probably say, yes, get a publicist if you want to get exposure um, and definitely be pitching yourself and consistently um, sharing your story. But that hasn't been like yesterday, someone DM me like your publicist is on point. And I'm like, <laughs> when I say it's God, I mean that. Like right. I have never pitched anything and I've never, um, I had a publicist actually for one week of the studio opening and I wouldn't, yeah, no, it, <laughs> I've gotten that all of the public publicity and press that I've gotten has literally been organic. Yeah. So for me, it's, I would say, put your head down and do the work. Mm -hmm. But I know that that also could not be real if you, if your goals are to be seen and heard and felt. So it's, it's a hard balance for me to give that advice in, in a very lengthy answer. <laughs> but I just want to be honest. Yeah. Like, I don't want to give people, 
I don't like to give fake advice. I hate when people are like, yeah, I get a publicist and right. do that. Or I hate when people are like, yeah, I just do the work and everything's going to come. You know, it's like, I can't tell you. I don't know. I, I can only tell you my experiences. Exactly. But from a business perspective, yes, you should get a publicist. Okay. I'm going to take you through some rapid fire questions. You can answer okay. them in a sentence or a word. <laughs> All right. So, I'll try a word. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, share an app that you use to manage your life. Um, Google Calendar. Okay. What's your favorite <laughs> book? Three Magic Words. Hmm. All right. What's one thing you do each and every day to make yourself happy? Pray. How many hours do you sleep? Oh, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Normally, how many hours do you sleep? Maybe six. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> what's a way that you make fitness fun besides spin? Um, music. Okay. All right. How many days a week do you exercise? Five. Okay. Um, okay. This is a good one. What's always in your gym bag? Uh, my headphones and my sneakers. Okay. Name three songs on your workout playlist. Um, Life is Good, Future and Drake. Uh-huh. Um, I'm looking right now. <laughs> my, my playlist is very serious to me. <laughs> um, oh, lately I've been running to Two Player okay. by Doughboy and Gunna. Okay. And... It Takes Scoop by Fat Man Scoop. Okay. All right. What do you think your <laughs> life would be like right now if you weren't working out? Terrible. <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's one thing you eat on a cheat day? Um, Haagen-Dazs caramel cone ice cream. Ooh, yum. What's your go-to beauty product? Oh, I'm kind of getting, I'm ridiculous. Uh <laughs> Probably <laughs> for, okay, wait, for skincare or for like makeup? Okay, give me one for each. <laughs> okay, for skincare, skincare, I love vitamin C Ooh, okay. because I have dark spots. Okay. And for makeup, I love my gold deposit bronzer, MAC. Mm. Okay, what's your favorite mm -hmm. deodorant? Okay, like this is a personal. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's like... Such an important question. Every <laughs> okay, honestly, I wear Degree. You, a lot of people I wear, wear Degree. This is interesting. Yeah, I, I wear the do. unscented. <laughs> I wear the unscented Degree, um, and it's literally the only deodorant that, like, I try everything, um, and that's the only one that will keep me feeling safe. But if you ever smell me, just let me know. Like, sis, switch it up. But Degree unscented is what I wear. See, we're like all dove over here, and my kids smell when they work out. I'm like, yeah, just switch the degree because this is not working. Listen, I used to wear dove because that's what my mom wears, right. and that's like, no, that is not for me. <laughs> I was you. like, what is yeah. happening? Yeah, yeah, so degree is what I try. Yeah, that's okay. what I've been using for like the past few years. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> I needed that advice. <laughs> okay, and my brothers, my brothers use it too because we're all athletes. And my mom was like, "This dove is not it for y'all." I'm all. like, "You at all? We can." <laughs> like they smell so bad, I want to develop a product to help them smell better. Yes, I'm like, I want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, degree is it. And my husband wears degree. He wears like the men one, but okay. yeah. All right. 
Okay, <laughs> you've made it through the speed round. Um, I'm going to ask you this question. What does pretty girl sweat mean to you when you hear those words? I love to hear those words, first of all. First, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, I say it in the Pretty Girls Rock by Carrie Hilton. Uh-huh. Like, that's where I always say it. Um, but I love that it normalizes, um, like, to me, I think every woman is pretty. Yes. And I, I feel like it just, it, it gives working out empowerment because sweat is, it normalizes sweating, which is something that is not always something that is associated with being a woman mm-hmm. and being a girl. And so it kind of like, tackles all of those things in one at once it's like it's a an anomaly but also it makes so much sense like it you know what I mean it's like a dichotomy two two completely different things pretty girls and sweat brought together and it makes so much sense because we need to encourage pretty girls to be sweating so I love it thank you okay what's next for you next for me is really just now that I'm full-time spiked um really just creating my schedule to um, finally implement and execute all of my ideas instead of them living in my journal um, and scaling the business. Those are like, those are my focus. It's really just everything spiked all in, in the studio, um, working through the logistics, ensuring everything's running properly um, and, you know, growing the business. Yeah, that's it. And if you could leave our listeners with one final thought, what would it be? Insult the standard. Um, I think you should live on your own terms, define the rules for yourself, and achieve excellence in a way that no one has ever seen before. And that's Brianna Owens. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at bri.monee and on her company page at Spike Spin. You can learn more about Spike Spin, their upcoming events and classes at spikespin.com. Pretty Girl Sweat Fest Atlanta returns on Saturday, September 12, 2020. Grab your squad for the fourth annual Ultimate Sweat Sisterhood Festival. Register to receive exclusive access to inspiring trainers. With heart-pumping workouts coupled with the dopest female DJs, you'll get a first-class ticket to your favorite fitness trends and hit songs. When you're not sweating it out, you can rehydrate at our sip stations, refuel in our saver garden filled with deliciously healthy food trucks, refresh in our style lounge, and shop in our vendor village. Head on over to Pretty Girl sweat.com slash pgsf to get your early bird tickets today just one more thing before you take off do you want to get a short email from pretty girl sweat every monday and friday that serves as a daily dose of all things inspiring and allows you priority access to our upcoming events just go to prettygirlsweat.com that's pretty girls with an s sweat.com drop in your email and you'll get the very next one And if you sign up, you'll soon discover that there's no hood like sisterhood. Until next time, always remember that good things come to those who sweat.